everyone, I'm Jim Santos, and this is the International Living Podcast. In this podcast series, we introduce you to a bigger world full of communities that are safe, welcoming, beautiful, and sometimes undiscovered. A better world, too. A friendly, warm, great value world where you can live richer, travel more, invest for profit, and enjoy a better life. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome once again to the International Living Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Santos, and today we're starting the new year right with a special topic. Wake the kids and phone the neighbors, because today we are talking about one of the more popular planning tools brought to you by IL, the International Living Annual Global Retirement Index, just updated for 2024. Joining us today for a look at the index are Jennifer Stevens, Executive Editor at International Living, and Lifestyle Editor Sean Keenan, who also wrote the feature article in the January 2024 edition of the magazine entitled The World's Best Places to Retire. Jen, Sean, welcome to the first International Living Podcast of the new year. My my brain was just filling that out as being my first podcast of the year, and I'm sure I'm going to be on, on some more of them over the course of, of 2024. But anyway, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year all around. Likewise. Our big uh, topic today, of course, is the uh, 2024 International Living Annual Global Retirement Index. And Now, I know this is the time of the year, as one year ends, another one starts, that you are bombarded with these listicles on the internet. You know, what's the top 10 places to live, the top 10 places to rent, the top 10 countries, you know, all of this. But you, you get the impression that, you know, these are just bare lists. You get the impression that it's written by someone that looked through Wikipedia and just kind of put a list together based on their own criteria. But this uh, Global Retirement Index is really much different from that. This is really a, a researched piece of information. Can you give us a little background on on how this is put together and the kind of time frame it takes to do this? Yeah, I would start because the first thing you mentioned was this is the time of year where these, these listicles start coming out. And it's interesting because for me, actually, at this point, the 2024 index is is something that's been going since oh, around about August. You know, I started right. putting together <laughs> You know, this is kind of the culmination of it all for me, rather than just where it all starts. I think for Jen, probably this is where it, where it all sort of starts and, and the, the whole kind of um, process of getting it out to people and explaining it to people starts. But for me, it's kind of it's kind of where we wrap up. Yeah, we started way back in in the summer, you know, and it's like it's one of those things. It's, you know, you, you're, you're sitting here putting piece into other questions and so on for um for our correspondents and our contributors who are actually around the world, I mean, one of the things that it really has to be pointed out about the retirement index is that on our, for our case, we are actually having this filled out by people who live there. Um, you know, this is not happening by somebody in their bedroom, in their pajamas, uh, right. working from home, just looking through Wikipedia or Numbeo or whatever, you know, those places that you just mentioned. These are being done by people who are living in house, in country. And I think that's really, really important because there's no way to get a sense of these places unless you're there. And there's not even any way to get a sense of these places, even if you're just there for a vacation, you really truly have to live there to be able to comment authoritatively on what we ask. Yeah, I remember in my Ecuador days, uh, walking through the grocery store with the list from IL, uh, putting down the prices for various commodities. Correct. And, and as you'll remember, there's there's quite a few of those commodities as well. <laughs> it's a right. long list. It took a while. And it goes everything from... You know, we're quite specific about it. What does, you know, what does a 
you know, a pound of ground beef cost from the supermarket. And then we'll also say something like, what, what's, what's 12 free range eggs from the market cost you? And we'll go through a whole series of questions like that. There's a questionnaire goes out to each of the people who, who, um, contributes to this. And that's just looking at cost of living, but there's a whole series of questions that we ask about costs of rentals, um, cost of accommodation. And the reason why it's so important that we have people doing it out there is because, of course, there's going to be a value judgment along the way there. I could ask you, I could ask Google, what's the price of a rental in Colombia? And it could tell me anything from 150 a month through to 3,000. So what you need is a little human interaction there along the way where you've got an expat out there. And we say, look, a nice place, two-bedroom place, where expats will live in an expat area. It doesn't have to be super luxurious. It just has to be something you would be happy to live in. And that's what I think is one of the value adds that we can bring to this is that it's got, it's got judgment. I imagine what complicates your job too, is that uh, countries like uh, Portugal or Spain or uh, Greece, you, you have such a wide variety of lifestyles within that country and different parts of that country. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is why we, why we, Put it over to humans and not to not to AI, not to artificial intelligence or something like that. Because you just you do need somebody to have that judgment and that experience to be able to say, well, yeah, it's super cheap to live in Cali, Colombia, for example, but you wouldn't want to. Right. <laughs> right. And that's the that's the point I wanted to make too, that we're while we do do this um, this list as a list of countries, we really are focused on the specific places within the countries that we recommend. And we don't recommend every single community in every country on our list, right? We are we are talking specifically about places that we dive into in great detail in the magazine and in on our website about specific communities that we like. And it's in those places where expats that are, are feel safe and comfortable and there's a community that they can connect with. And in those places, what is life like, right? And so this is really meant, this index is really meant to be a tool for people, a place for them to get a, to, to be able to, to compare and contrast and begin to see, okay, for the things that are important to me, you know, if I come to this list and I think, oh, I'd love to live overseas, I, I don't know where to go. Like, what are my best options? You know, for me, I have a limited budget. So maybe you would then want to look at that cost of living category first, and say, what are the best value places? All of the places on this list are places where you can live for less than it would cost you to live in the United States. Mm -hmm. But some are more affordable than others, right? And so the idea is that we're, we're giving real world, as, as Sean said, really practical, real world, and up-to-date data, right? That we're not just pulling this out of a hat, right? We're, we're, we're asking for what's ha really happening on the ground in these places, and then we're letting you as a, a viewer, somebody who comes to this, to come and look at this and say, okay, well, if if the cost of living is most important to me, then I might focus in first on these countries. Or if, gosh, the ability to go um, easily and quickly and and not have a whole bunch of visa hoops to jump through, if that's important to me, then these other countries might be the ones that are most important. And you can kind of cross-reference, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's meant to be truly a useful tool for people to, to begin to see the places that would be most logical or make the most sense for them. Yeah, we keep using the term list and index, but this is, this is a lot more than just a list of countries or a list of options. There's a lot of information that comes with uh, the index, correct? 
I think what's really cool about it is that you can use sort of a lot of that information. And, and I would specify that it's information, not data. It, it's this is informed opinion rather rather than just, you know, mashed numbers that you came out from from some, you know, some aggregator. I think what's really cool about it is like if you've got certain things or you're not entirely sure of, if you look at, say, for example, cost of living, that can be very, very important to a lot of people. If you look at the cost of living of Costa Rica, Roatan, and let's see another one, Malta, for example, three places on that list. And they're all within a point or two of each other, percentage point or two of each, of each other when it comes to cost of living, which means you don't have to make, even if cost of living is super important to you, you don't have to make that the driving choice for where you go. Because if you've got those three places that have got very similar cost of living, then you can look at the other factors. You've got Malta there versus Costa Rica, two incredibly different places. Which one suits you best? So you can go then and go through the rest of the categories and sort of go, well, RC, you know, narrow it down a little bit. Which climate, which climate fits me better there? You know, so I, I think I think that's why that huge amount of numbers is useful to us. And how many categories are in the evaluation? Eight, uh, seven, seven. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just across the, across the way. So we've got housing, we've got visas benefits, then we've got cost of living, affinity rating, the development governments, governance, uh, climate and healthcare. So there's more than enough ways of shredding that particular cabbage as such if i can just invent a silly metaphor there's there's lots of different angles of attack that we can we can use to narrow down the places that are most interesting okay affinity rating sounds interesting uh, what exactly is that and how how is it determined affinity rating is very interesting very important as well and that uh, what i really like about the affinity rating is it brings in the opinion of the the international living subscriber as well as our exports as our experts so it's actually based on a couple of questions that are it's the it's the most subjective of all the categories so for example when we've got something like cost of living those are very hard and fast uh fast numbers there because essentially like you referred to earlier you've got a list of things what do they cost we get a total at the end of it and that's a very hard number that we can just compare one country to another. Development governments is, governance is the other side of the thing. Now, when I talked about you could go and live in Cali, but you wouldn't want to, well, that's a piece of information. So the idea behind the affinity rating is essentially it, it's it's taking in people's op opinions about about countries, not just the, the information and the data, but also sort of we're asking not just our experts in our world, but also our subscribers, right? Our internationally living um, members, you know, where are the places that you're most interested in going? And so we're trying to, to um, infuse the index with a little bit of um, what amounts to sort of trends that we're seeing. And a, a it's a way for us to answer what people are I feel like they're most interested in, you know, I mean, I think that there are times when, for example, you know, last year, Portugal won our index. And um, it was part of the reason that it did is because it was such a, it was so in the news, it was so, it was a place that people were, there was a certain amount of buzz about. Right. And this year, we're seeing some more of that about Costa Rica. And so it's sort of a way for us to, um, to gauge what the, the feeling, if you will, out in, in the world as well. Yeah, in 2023 at the Atlanta conference, it seemed like everybody was talking about Portugal. I guess that was a 2022 conference in Atlanta. Yeah, then 2023 in Denver, it seemed like everybody was flocking over to the Costa Rica table. 
Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I, I suppose you could argue it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg. I mean, you know, is, are people talking about it because we're talking about it or, you know, it, it, we're not sure. It's a little bit of both, I suppose. But uh, that affinity rating just allows us to kind of um, to to put in a little bit of the, the feeling that people have around the world. It also helps us to adjust for, you know, for trends, for geopolitical influence and that kind of thing. It allows us a little bit of, of flexibility and in, in our feeling for the countries that are worth your attention now. And it's it's really easy to narrow it down exactly for why people are talking about Costa Rica so much at the moment compared to last year, because just in the last year, Costa Rica has started issuing 180-day uh, tourist visas just on arrival. So you can turn up now and get a six months essentially of time spent in Costa Rica without even having to go through any sort of um you know application process or anything like that, which suddenly makes Costa Rica, you know, people's ears start to prick up at that point and go, hang on, you know, we could really spend a lot of time here without with the minimum of fuss. And yeah, an infinity rating will 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 track that sort of thing. Yeah, what I thought was interesting about this year's list is uh I was looking over past lists. And it seems like the top uh, five or six countries all are kind of jockeying for position all the time, just kind of bubbling around uh, over each other. But last year, Costa Rica was rated number five, and this mm-hmm. year it's number one. And mm-hmm. you know, in my radio days, we used to call that number one with a bullet. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a, a jump. Do you think it's that affinity rating that had the big deal to do with that, making but, such a change? Yeah. It's part of the affinity rating. The other thing that needs to be pointed out as well at, at these points, it's like, although the, the list is in sequential order like that, when you look at the top five places, you've got Panama down in fourth, for example, with 82.85%. Costa Rica wins the thing at 83.57%. This, this, right. The gains are really marginal. You know, that's that's such a small amount of difference that it really just could be, you know, something from you know, one of the categories that just tipped it over. Right. Uh, and I would I would point out too, it isn't just that Costa Rica gets more points. It's sometimes that other places get fewer points, right? Because Portugal mm-hmm. suffered um in its in its score a little bit from a, an increase in cost of living in certain areas and also the fact that the visa situation got less attractive. Right. Right. So well. it it falls and as it falls, other things rise. And so it's a little bit of a, you know, there's a certain amount of jockeying that goes that goes into the top there. But to to Sean's point, I mean, all of these places are really are are within close proximity to each other by scores. And all of them, all the way down to the bottom of the list, are worth your attention, or they wouldn't be on our on the radar yeah. to begin with. Right. There was less than a point difference between the top four. Yeah. Right. This year. I say that every year that, uh, you know, <laughs> we've never, I just used the term winner as well or wins. I, I'm never terribly comfortable about the idea of using the word winner. I, I much prefer using the word leader because the thing being the winners, winner implies that there are losers, but to be on this table at all, you know, to be even right down there at the bottom of it, it's the bottom of our table, but it's not the bottom of the countries in the world. There are 250 countries in the world, and these are our handpicked choices for where we think are really good retirement options. Well, yeah, I was just going to reiterate the point, you know, that to be at the bottom of this list is still to be in the top, what, in the top 5% of the countries of the world. Yeah, for instance, uh, Uruguay is fairly far down in the list. But we're hearing more and more people talking about Uruguay as an option because they like the stability of the government. And uh, the mild climate. 
Yeah, yeah. And not only that, the, the ease with which you can get permanent residency there, the ease and speed. Right. You know, it's so there's there's a lot of reasons that Uruguay can make very, very good sense for folks. Um, it just depends on what your priorities are, essentially. You know, it's not the most affordable place on our on our um index. And it's on the other hand, you could argue that it offers perhaps even the best value in terms of bang for your buck, because while you'll spend might spend a little bit more than you would in, say, Panama, it's very much a first world. I can use that term, you know, it's very developed, you know, it's very sophisticated. It's not. So I think you you have to kind of take into when you come to this index as, as a user, um, you have to take into, into account again, I sort of mentioned this earlier, like what's important to you, you know, if speed, if, if you want to have put yourself on a path to a second passport, for instance, or you put yourself um, on a path to eat to permanent residency someplace else quickly, Uruguay may be you, the place you should go first, you know? So I think uh, to, to, to reiterate, all of these places make sense. You as, as someone coming to this need to think about like, what am I actually looking for? Right. And then you can kind of go across in the, the list and see okay, what places would be worth most worth my attention. Right. So the best exercise would be to use this as a tool to, um, to rank them yourself. Yeah. Based on the yeah, categories exactly. that are most important to you. Yeah, and we do do that in our in our index um, report too. We have a giant, you know, I don't know how many pages, 180 pages, under 70 pages, something like that, um, big report that helps you do that. So, are there um, references included with the report too? Places you can go for more information. Well, we have lots of coverage of um, all of our places, all of the places that we recommend, including the specific communities that we recommend within the countries that are in our report. Um, and also on our website and in our magazine. And so the report is a great place to to start, right? We we talk about the index itself and you give you the chart that allows you to compare um, these places quickly at a glance. But at the same time, we then kind of dive into each of the categories and help you focus in on those categories on climate, you know, which countries top the climate list and why, and what communities within those countries have these different climates. And so we do that for all of the different categories. And then, of course, we have in-depth coverage of all of these countries um, in on in the magazine and on our website too. And so that we we kind of encourage people, we always think of the index as sort of an introduction. It's a way for people to come into our world that makes sense, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a useful way to to introduce them to what we do. But we have a depth of um of resources about all of these places. And um I would say too, you know, we don't recommend every single country or every single community in every country. We really do home in on specific communities communities where we believe people will feel safe and comfortable and can live really well for less. And that, um, you know, and so that kind of micro coverage, that coverage that, that takes you on a deeper dive, that's going to be, it starts in our big report, but then it goes into the, the magazine and the website. We have lots of books and conferences and online events that, that take you on a deeper dive and to explore those countries more specifically. I hate to sound like I'm being a shill here, but one of the things about it is some of that information is just really so much better if you can get in touch person to person with someone who can tell you specifically about, for example, you talked about Costa Rica, you talked about climate. And even if we're talking about somewhere like Costa Rica, there's so many different climates across there. One of them will be the perfect climate for you. If you can get to the point where you can talk to somebody directly about what it is you're looking for. And for that, I would say conference 
one of our conferences is is the ideal way to do that is to meet somebody who can represent those countries. That's the way to do that because it's so funny to look at a country like Costa Rica, which is so, you know, comparatively small, and yet be able to say, right, well, in in two weeks, I was there just a couple of weeks ago. It, in two weeks, I could be in three different climates and th- significantly different climates. So, you know, that's one of the ways that uh, they get into that granular detail that Jen was just speaking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, one of the places you really need to know that granular detail is about the climate. Now, in the uh, article in the January uh, edition of uh, International Living Magazine, the world's best places to retire, there's also a, uh, a breakout section called Behind the Numbers, uh, Countries to Watch. Can you give us a little information about these countries and why you think they're the ones to watch? Because I know this is not... The index isn't just a, it's just a snapshot. Situations change uh, around the world, as we know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, last year was the first time we put Greece on on the on the index because the situation there was starting to look really attractive to us and to expats. And, you know, a country that we knew, always knew was there. And, you know, we had to occasionally, you know, run profiles from people in Greece and, you know, done occasional travel reports from places in Greece. And then last year we said, look, you know, we should send somebody out there, have a really good look at it. So, you know, (laughs) I say that referring to myself because it was me who went. (laughs) Well, I was in Athens and Thessaloniki this year also and was really taken with Thessaloniki. Fantastic. I mean, you know, Greece really, uh, you know, it's it's been bubbling around there for a while, for a long time, until until very recently. It always seemed to be slightly, um, you know, ramshackle in terms of its administration, and really wasn't a terribly stable place to to really consider. But lately, it, in the last couple of years, it's really cleaned up. It's really gotten an awful lot more developed, and you know, so we had a look at it and said, yeah, this really should go into into our index. Uh, other things change as well, like Malaysia, for example. Malaysia was always on the index and, in fact, always has done very, very well in the index until uh, until the COVID pandemic, at which point it made things very, very difficult for expats who wanted to go and retire there in terms of their visa allocations and the, the price even of the second home visa that they have there. Now, recently, they've addressed that situation so we've put it back onto onto the list um uh uruguay for example again we just talked about uruguay it's it's a perennial on the index but the reasons why people might be more interested in uruguay in 2024 are frankly to do with there being a united states election this year and things feel at home to be a little bit unstable and a little bit uh, what can we say? Um, uncertain. 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 Suddenly, somewhere like somewhere as stable and somewhere as as um, as certain as Uruguay becomes a lot more attractive. So th- there are there are trends as we talked about earlier. Now, Panama is one of those perennial favors that's always on the list, and uh, I assume a large part of that has to do with their very generous uh, pensionado program. I mean that that is that is that is one of the reasons for sure. But Panama, you know, in a way, much like Uruguay, it kind of it it sort of works, right? You know, I mean, like in Panama, you you've got access to this big city that is truly. I mean, it looks like Miami. It feels like Miami to a large degree, right? I mean, it's a very big city. You could live out at the beach, 
um, and be you know an hour and a half away outside of the city, but anything that you could possibly need, you will get in that city. And that's not necessarily the case on everywhere in our index. You know, Belize is is lovely and you know Caribbean and and you know very laid back, but it's it's a little rem- it feels remote, right? Which mm-hmm. for a lot of people, that's what they're looking for. But if you're if you want to be in a place where you can be, have this relaxed life at the beach, but at the same time, if you need really good medical care, you can access it. At, at at hand, Panama makes a lot of sense. So Panama, much like Uruguay, is kind of is a perennial um, favorite of ours for lots of logical reasons. Yeah, Panama City's airport also has become quite a transportation hub. Uh, from Panama City, you can really get just about anywhere in the world pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And the other thing about Panama, I think, which is interesting, it actually shares this with Costa Rica, is the minimum income requirement to get a retirement visa there. This is something that actually gets missed by a lot of people that, you know, when you're looking at these places and one of those listicle, you know, many of those listicles that you referred to right at the start of the, of the program talk about all these places that you can live for a thousand dollars a month or live at these very low levels. But the the little caveat being that you can't actually, in a lot of those places, you can't get a retirement visa with anything less than, you know, maybe $2,000 a month for your minimum monthly requirement. Whereas in Panama and Costa Rica, with just $1,000 a month coming in on uh, on your on your social security or on your private pension or your 401k or whatever it happens to be, that will qualify you for the visa there, for the retirement visa. And it's actually, that's a very, very low bar to be able to to meet, which I think is a detail that sometimes gets missed about Panama and Costa Rica. Yeah, something we noticed as we were looking at Panama, because, you know, as, as you mentioned, things are a little uncertain in the US and it's nice to have a potential bolt hole if you needed one. If you a lot of the countries, if you try to get a retirement visa there, there's also some very strict requirements about how many days you have to remain in the country, especially when you first get your visa. But Panama is very liberal about that. I think it's something only like two days or one day out of every two years you have to be in the country. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I think the other thing about Panama's visas is that it isn't just the pensionado visa that there are lots of different visa options for you. You know, right. one thing we are seeing sort of as, I don't want to know if I'd call it a trend, but it is, I suppose maybe you could, is that um, because of the flexibility allowed by people working remotely now, um, younger people are able to to go to countries and you might, they might not be fully retired yet, but they're able, they, they've gained that flexibility of movement because their jobs can be so much more remote than they, than they used to be. Right. And so um, Panama is a country that, that has lots of interesting visa options for you, even if you're not yet of retire quote, retirement age, right. Even if you're not collecting your social security yet or whatever it might be, if you want to continue to work, you've got various visa options in Panama. Um, and that is the case in Uruguay as well. So those are two countries. If you're if you're not retired, but you're thinking about ahead to retirement, or you're you're looking to maybe a semi retirement, and maybe you'll work but work work remotely, you know, continue to work, do your job part time or full time, and want to be based someplace else. Um, those two countries make can make very good sense, as can others, but particularly those two. This may have changed since we were in Uruguay because it was several years ago. But at the time, you could just show up with your uh, with your visa. Yeah. Or with your with your passport rather, and apply for residency, and be issued a temporary residency card almost immediately. 
yeah, yeah. that's still the case. Yep. And a bank account. And you can open a bank account almost immediately as well. I don't know exactly the, how many days, but it's within a very short time too, which, which you know, may sound like one of those details that isn't terribly important, but it is important when you live in a country to be able to have a bank account there too. You also can open bank accounts there without being a, a resident or a citizen. Yep. And we find ourselves wishing that we had at the time because it would have earned about 13% by now if we had put, <laughs> <laughs> put our money in there. They're a very strong banking system. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now, were there any uh, surprises this year on the list for you? What one? Not really a surprise so much, but a pleasant. Maybe a, I don't know if I call it a surprise, but a pleasant thing is, um, I think, how well Greece has held up. You know, as Sean said, we added Greece to the index last year because because you know politically and economically, Greece kind of I don't want to say got its act together, but it did kind of right. It kind of stabilized, mm-hmm. um, and and so it felt like it was a a good a good a good ad. Um, and it has done really well. I think that when you look at, for example, um, at the golden visas in Europe, which is something that a lot of Americans are interested in, not everybody, you can go and live in Europe without getting a golden visa. And that's a, that's a visa that allows, essentially, you make an investment of a certain amount. And then you, in exchange, you get an, um, a visa, an, a permanent residency visa. Um, and that in some places can put you on a path to a European passport as well. That was basically stopped in Panama, but you can still do that. Do it um, with real estate. Stop, it was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said Panama. Excuse me. Stopped in Portugal for real estate. You can still get a golden visa, but you need to make different kinds of investments. Mm-hmm. In Greece, you can still get a golden visa based on a real estate investment, and that real estate investment, the value can be relatively low depending on where you go. And so, for as little as about roughly two hundred and fifty thousand euro. Um, you can can get one of these visas and you don't have to stay in Greece very long. I don't know, I, I don't remember offhand exactly what the, the number of days is, but it's not very long. Um, and so I think Greece has kind of held up. So that was sort of a pleasant, not really a surprise, but something that I, I was happy to see. Yeah, that can also be multiple properties in Greece. Yes. It doesn't have to be one property worth that. So uh, that's an advantage if you're looking to uh, buy a place for you to live and then also buy a place that maybe you rent out as an income source. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sean, any surprises for you? You've had time to look at the list now? I think for me, I, I'm just going to be circling back and repeating myself here, but the surprise for me actually was the Costa Rica 180 day, 180 day visa. I, I, I'm astounded by that really, because Costa Rica doesn't really need to make any special effort to bring to bring tourism or international visitors into the country. It's always been very popular. Well, it's very, very popular as a as a destination already so there wasn't really any incentive i can see for costa rica to have to do that but it's very very generous it doesn't really have a huge impact on what we're talking about here in terms of the retirement index because you know it's not a retirement visa it's just a standard tourism visa but all the same i you know that is actually bigger news than we're probably <laughs> than we're probably giving it credit for well, now that you mentioned it, it's not just a retirement index. I mean, that's what it's called. But for someone like my wife and I who are looking at just exploring as many different countries as we can, uh, that ability to stay a longer period is really important. Uh, you know, it's a, a big problem with looking around Europe is the uh, Schengen area uh, restrictions. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I would say, too, that, you know, most folks, even though, as you said, we call it a retirement index and we kind of look at these countries uh, largely based on how you can stay permanently there, right? Stay long term. 
the truth is a lot of our members at International Living are part-time overseas, right? They're mm-hmm. looking for a place that they can go for three or anywhere from three to six to nine months a year, and then maybe come home when the weather's nice at, at home and, and see family and and that kind of thing. And so um, while we do score our, our places largely on, and, and certainly in the visas and, and benefits category based on sort of how easy is it and convenient and affordable and so on to get uh, a visa to allow you to stay long-term, practically speaking, lots and lots of folks don't stay overseas full time, right? They do kind of come back and forth, whether they own a place or rent a place. And this index is is certainly useful for that for that as well, as you've just said, Jim. Like you guys are thinking about where can you go um, as you travel, and this is a great list, right? These are all right. places where the cost of living is relatively low, and the quality of life is high, and um, the the weather is good. And so, you know, even just as a list of places to to put on your your travel your travel list over the next you know five to ten years, this is a great list. And beyond the list, the information that comes with it, you can see which countries have the most to offer in different areas and different locations. Well, also, I mean, you know, we are circling right back to the very moment you started this, which is, you know, what is it that's special about this list now? In terms of, it, if you're not looking at it from the potential of retiring. There's only one category has anything really to do with retiring, which is the visas benefits category. All the rest, but I think all the rest are are, are perfectly applicable to you if you're just looking at it as, as travel or long term travel. But I think what is really again to to circle right back, the value of this is that it is compiled by people who are out there doing it, out there living it, and it isn't it isn't somebody just spinning the globe, pointing their finger at a place and going, "Oh, that looks like it could be nice. Let's put that up there." you know you, you can't you can't make long term decisions about your travel future or your retirement future based on that sort of information or that sort of data you really need somebody to be out there actually experiencing it and we have just that we've been speaking with international living's executive editor Jennifer Stevens and lifestyle editor Sean Keenan about the 2024 international living annual global retirement index now remember members have access to the full report And if you're not a member yet, stop by internationalliving.com to sign up today. Sean, Jen, thanks for taking the time to share with us on the International Living Podcast and almost time to get to work on the next one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. And it is, actually. We're already talking about it, which is crazy. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. The International Living Podcast is a production of International Living. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you have an idea for an episode or a question you'd like us to answer, email us at mailbag at internationalliving.com. And don't forget to put podcast in the subject line of your email. That's mailbag at internationalliving.com. We created the International Living Podcast to help showcase the ideas we explore in the magazine and our other publications each month, and to grow our community of travel lovers, expats, and experts who believe as we do, that the world is full of opportunity to create a more interesting, more international life. You don't have to be rich or famous to do that, you just need to know the secrets, and that's what we bring you at International Living. If you haven't become a member yet, you can do it today with a special discount offer for podcast listeners. You'll receive our monthly magazine plus a bundle of special extras. You'll find the link in our show notes, or you can go to intliving.com podcast. 
That's intliving.com slash podcast. We'll be taking a short break in the show as Rita and I get settled into Panama as we go back on the road to enjoy that international lifestyle we talk about on the show. This time basically just to stay warm all winter. Keep an eye on the website or look out for an e-letter for our next episode. Speaking of Panama, if you're interested in it as a destination, time is fast running out to sign up for the Fast Track Panama Conference that will be held February 16th to 18th in Panama City. You can get more information and reserve your spot at intliving.com slash events. That's intliving.com slash events. Until then, this is Jim Santos for International Living reminding you there's a bigger, better world out there just waiting for you.